The Downtown Vancouver Business Improvement Association is proud to support BIV's daily Coping with COVID podcast series. And now that there is a plan to safely restart BC, we hope you'll join us in supporting your favorite local businesses. From restaurants to retail, our downtown businesses need us now more than ever. Thanks everyone and stay safe. I'm Tyler Orton, and before we get to today's interview, here are some of the top stories we're following at business in Vancouver. Canadian tech giant Shopify says it will keep its offices closed until 2021 as it transitions into a primarily remote workforce. The company announced in January it planned to open a 70,000-square-foot office in Vancouver and hire more than 1,000 workers locally. Now, Shopify says it will use Vancouver as a quote-unquote recruitment hub. And more than 200 business leaders from across the province have signed an open letter condemning escalating cases of racism amidst the pandemic. The statement from the Business Council of British Columbia says concerns are mounting over violent attacks and hate. Now for our interview. So with classes out of commission for most young people, screen time has obviously been skyrocketing amidst this pandemic, but just how safe are many of the platforms that people are using? Carlos Figueredo, he is Director of Community Trust and Safety at Kelowna-based tech company Two Hat, which specializes in using AI-powered tools to weed out inappropriate language or abusive content online, amongst other things. And Carlos, I want to thank you for joining us on the show today. Well, oh, thank you very much, Tyler. I appreciate being here. So obviously there's lots to dive into with, you know, say emerging trends that are going on amidst this pandemic. But maybe before we get into that, tell me what, you know, Two Hat is best known for. We're best known for automating the process that is content moderation. You know, as you can imagine, uh, having millions of users on social platforms online, uh, playing chatting, exchanging uh, chat messages, but also images, videos. You, It's very important that you safeguard users online and you keep a productive and positive experience for everybody involved. And in order to do so, you need to ensure that the content is uh, not uh, negative and disruptive to everybody's experience, not inappropriate, not something sometimes even dangerous and illegal. And traditionally, they has, this has been done by humans, uh, really doing the, the brunt of the work and having to, to, to do it manually. So our specialty is automating that process as much as possible. And when it's not possible to automate, at the very least, prioritizing so humans can apply purposeful moderation and use their time wisely. So would it be accurate to think that it's not necessarily like parents uh, that are coming to you guys with these concerns? It's more like businesses. Businesses are waking up to the fact that if we want to retain users, we have to make this the best experience possible. 
That's correct. Yes, it's uh, it's business, and and uh, the our clients they are in the games industry, for example, companies that are developing major gaming titles or streaming platforms, social platforms, kids platforms, uh, social apps, and all, all all that area. And yeah, yeah, essentially, our clients they have two. I usually see two motivations. You know, like one motivation is they they know it's the right thing to do. To safeguard users is the correct thing to do from a really from a moral standpoint, from the fact that you're providing a digital playground, therefore you are um, responsible for it. Be it a digital playground or a digital platform where people can connect, you are accountable for what happens in that platform, right? So that is the first um, motivation that I see quite often. And the second motivation is exactly what you said. It's the understanding that, you know, Normative behavior online is positive behavior. And we see this every day at Two Hat, processing billions uh, of lines of text and images. We see the normative behavior is positive behavior. So when you have negative disruptive behavior, it gets in the way of that normative behavior. It gets in the way of the intended experiences you have in your platform. So it's really critical to, to nip it in the bud, to manage that so you can let the positive flourish and of course user retention user engagement and and all those things yeah and uh, it's not an accurate or, or a completely accurate sort of um comparison but i think back like did mark zuckerberg ever intend for say russian trolls to start posting content that would be disruptive to people. Like that's not the original intent of a platform like that. And you guys want to kind of ensure the integrity of maybe what uh, those creators originally had in mind for uh, what what kind of platforms they might be developing. Absolutely, the, the the protection of the very purpose of the platform, right? Like the very intention of that platform is protected, protecting the brand, protecting their users. Like that is really essential. And and you you raised a good example there of you know you create a platform and then there's there are all those unintended uh, uh, uses of it, right? And that's another role we play in the industry as well uh, as as really like consulting with clients. Like I do a lot of consultation with companies who are pre-release. They're just they're still uh, developing and uh, the design inception of a product of a social product. I do a lot of consultation and what we call community consultation. That's another role we play because a lot of times companies, they might be lacking that knowledge of how can this feature in my game or in my app be exploited to hurt other people online? They, so it's, we bring that perspective as well, which is very important. You must know intuitively at this point, if you are working with these companies, like you can probably identify some of these vulnerabilities uh, very easily, and they just haven't even thought about it, but you've seen it you know, like hundreds of times before working with other clients. Is that uh, accurate? It is, and it's, even if I say particularly like a personally, I used to work for Disney Online Studios before Two Hat. So I worked there for six years, and I was a, a moderator for Club Penguin, the, 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 the children's game that was so popular, right? It was a massive success. And we had many challenges of content moderation because when you when you think about it, you know you had millions of kids playing. Of course, the, their safety is uh, was paramount to the company, right? So I my mind 
was already working uh, uh, with those things, right? I always considered this new feature, this new item in the game, this new social interaction, could it be exploited? So my thoughts are usually at uh, going towards that direction just to make sure that I am being proactive and thinking about that. And as I work for our uh, with our clients at Two Hat, that for sure comes up. And there's another thing I do in the industry as well, in the in games industry. I am a co-founder of the Fair Play Alliance, which is a co uh, an industry cohort in the games industry. It's a, a community of practice where we are really working together over 160 game developers globally, organizations, are working to drive to create and, and, um, and uh, create best practices related to how we can design games in a way that's conducive to positive behavior. So my, my mind is usually really thinking about uh, the inception level of those products, of those social elements, um, and thinking about both, right? Like how can this be leveraged to maximize engagement? to maximize retention and how could this be exploited to disrupt it uh, to, to, to disrupt the experience of players or users you uh, name dropped uh, club penguin a minute ago I correct me if I'm wrong it has its origins in the Okanagan as well I, I always want to give them a shout out if I can absolutely here in Kelowna the city where I'm speaking to you from uh, and uh, was co-founded here by three uh, three friends, and yeah, it, I think it was founded in 2005, right? And acquired by Disney in 2007. Yeah, so very cool stuff going on in the Okanagan. And maybe uh, we'll segue over to maybe some of the trends that you're seeing emerge right now amidst the pandemic. Is screen time, is it up for a lot of people right now just because, I don't know, you can't go outside as much, you can't go to classes or interact at work? A lot of people are going to be on their phones. A lot of people are going to be on their notebook computers. What have you noticed recently? A massive increase in chat volumes. Uh, really, you know, inter interactions online in the in the platforms from our clients. I, you know, like I'll start by framing it with a number, so we can really think about what that increase is really in a tangible form. Prior to the, the 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 whole situation of the pandemic and the lockdown, we were processing um, around one billion pieces of uh, interactions, right? Like uh, chat messages, uh, mainly, but also images a day. One billion a day. A day. Right? Wow. Wow. A day. And it was actually north of that. We were on a on a on a uh, trending uh, already, like trending like way higher than that. But then with the lockdown. I can tell you because I, I just got some figures from our team before our interview that as of April, we were processing 88.6 billion interactions in the month of April. So wow. that effectively is nearly a three times uh, increase in volume on a period of three months. We basically like increase that threefold, right? So what kind of pressure is that putting on companies to make sure that the content going over their systems is not going to drive people away? Wow, it's immense pressure. I I can tell you I was in a, um in a you know I hosted a webinar with one of our clients and you know like the what what they shared was that they had to completely reinvent uh recreate how they do content moderation because it basically got to a point where they're like all hands on deck, 
right? He's uh, he's a senior head and uh, you know head of trust and safety for that company, and all hands on deck, like him, all his managers, everybody doing moderation, putting their hands. You know, doing the doing the work together and having to really reconsider their process, their policies, because the reality is that a lot of companies up to this point before the lockdown, they had policies and procedures for content moderation. Basically, throw it all out of the window and and say we have to we have to reinvent the way we do content moderation. Because if you, I will give you another stat as well. One of our clients experienced that. 3,000% in chat volume in, I think, when compared, uh, comparing March to, to, to February. So out of a sudden, their chat volume just like goes through the roof. The way they have to do moderation is completely different. Like, how do you stay on top of what matters the most? How do you prioritize the things that matter the most when you're doing content moderation, right? And so what are some examples of some of the things that you guys have to moderate right now? So some of the things that we have to moderate right now, like very, I'll give you some examples from from social platforms in general, especially kids' social platforms and games. But um, this is truly something that happens across uh, audiences and ages. Harassment and, and bullying, um, cyberbullying. Those are examples of behaviors that we we see. And, you know, if you consider like some of our clients are experiencing an increase in that behavior right now because, you know, kids are they're at home, right? They are frustrated. How do they express that that frustration? Sometimes it comes out as in a shape of of cyberbullying. You know, like sometimes it comes out in that uh, in that form. So th- that's an example. Another thing that we also focus on protecting communities from is what we call dangerous speech or or hateful speech, right? Hate speech. Those are things that we identify and we identify by context as well, right? So to give you a, a um, an example, if somebody says this T-shirt is ugly, right? Uh, that's just a sentiment towards an object. Right, our tool will not raise flags for that. It will just say it has the word "ugly." The word "ugly" has a certain risk level attached to it, because we don't say that words or phrases are good or bad. We rather look at them. It's not a binary thing, right? We look at them as there's a likelihood that it could have some risk level to it. So we assign a risk based on an octal scale from zero to through seven, right? So. A word like ugly is not a super high risk level word, but it really depends on context. So if somebody says you are ugly, right? And when what we see is that people chat unnaturally online. They will not say you spelled, you know, like properly, proper grammar. They will put the letter U and maybe oh. even capitalize it, just the letter U. And then they would put the letter R. And then the whole word ugly, right? And and they might try to put the word ugly like with um, parenthesis instead of the letter L. And they might also try to put dots in between the, 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 the letters if they find that there's a filter in place, right? So right there, that's an example of something that for younger audiences, they, not, they might not be okay with the phrase you're ugly, like a targeted insult like that. For a more mature social platform or a game, perhaps they're okay with that, but they they're not okay with somebody saying you are a and then a slur, right? That right. racial slur, for example. 
Well, I got to ask you this, because uh, earlier today we had the Business Council of British Columbia. They released an open letter with 200 signatories denouncing uh, what they see like as a rise of racist acts going on in British Columbia resulting yeah. you know, from the pandemic. And I, I'm wondering, uh, it might be too early to tell, but is that becoming a growing concern that there could be kind of that rise of hate, uh, hate or else, you know, uh, just negativity that some of your clients are reaching out to you guys saying, hey, can you monitor for this or, or maybe just ramp up uh, levels uh, of moderation? It is something that our clients are mindful of. Um, absolutely. Um, I can give you a couple of examples related to the pandemic, right? Uh, because of the, the situation with, uh, with COVID-19 and the pandemic, there are there is sentiment that borderlines uh, hateful speech or really can be characterized as such, right? Sentiment towards uh, specific nations, nationality, right? Are blaming nationalities for what's happening. Uh, so our clients are, are definitely aware of it and they monitor chat specifically around it. I'll give you another example as well. Um, there is a, a rise now in certain languages and, and, and cultures specifically, like for example, in the Netherlands, they um, normally one of the challenges that our language and culture specialist uh, who works in the in the Dutch language, you know, she notices that people it's a cultural thing as well. They in order to offend each other, they 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 might wish each other ill, right? They they talk about diseases and, and wishing diseases and things like that. Well, guess what? She noticed that people were wishing that other people catch COVID-19 oh. and then so that becomes a, a tool, like we were saying, right? Like the COVID-19, the term itself, it's not a, a, a concern, but when you use it to harass others and to wish disease upon others, it becomes a harassment uh, uh, weapon, right? So that's what our clients are seeing across languages as well, because this it's very important to, to know that we do this work in 20 plus languages, right? And it's not just a simple translation. We have language specialists who understand the cultural nuances, the formal and informal aspects of those languages. So absolutely, we are our clients are seeing uh, specific forms of racism and harassment around the, the, the pandemic. Well, one of the things I, I think about how if you go to China, like um, images of Winnie the Pooh are banned over there because of the bear's resemblance to Xi Jinping. And I'm just wondering how you guys kind of toe that line. You you want to be diligent, uh, but you don't want to be over diligent uh, with, with some of the things. How do you guys kind of find that right balance, making sure that you guys um, aren't uh, going overboard with some of the moderation? Because it, it can be kind of a tricky thing that you have to figure out. Absolutely. A, a excellent, a excellent example, an excellent question, right? Like there are cultural nuances that will dictate a lot of the content moderation work, right? I... You know, in my previous work as a moderator, I had to make a really hard decision. I was responsible for a chat filter in Portuguese, the management of the rules and all this in my previous, uh, you know, jobs. And I had to make hard decisions like there are words in Brazil, in uh, you know, Brazilian Portuguese that they're completely, uh, in, they're very inappropriate for a kid's space. 
but then the same word in Portugal is fine. <laughs> so you okay. you have you have to make those decisions, right? So I'm using this example to, um, um, uh, in our conversation because at the end of the day, that decision needs to be made by our clients, right? They are the custodians. They are the guardians of that particular online community. Um, we don't do those determinations for them. What we do is we provide them with the tools. We provide them with the classification of the content. So let's go back to that example, the, the, the you are ugly phrase, right? That particular phrase has a certain risk level and it has a certain topic assigned to it, which is the harassment topic on a very, you know, on a, on a mild uh, risk level. It's not the most horrible thing you can say to a person, but of course it's still on a harassment level. It's then incumbent on our clients to know what are the settings that they want to enforce in terms of their community guidelines in terms of use, right? So some of our clients are okay with that phrase being being there. Some of our clients might say, no, we, we need to block that phrase, right? So to, to your question, if they do have a community, an active community in China, you know, they have to, to make decisions that are going to serve that community. Right, that are appropriate for that uh, subsection of their community, for that geographical area. They have to to make decisions in terms of you know language, images, like you said, like the example that you gave. There will be guidelines that they're going to have to follow in order to operate in certain countries. And then this is where they can use our classification in both images and and in text. And they can say where do we set our thresholds and and where do we do we want to to enforce things. For some behaviors, they might want to warn the users, send them a warning message. For other behaviors, they might actually need to block it, uh, absolutely block it. So it really depends on the case, right? And that totally makes sense. It's going to be, you know, different contexts for different clients, different situations that play out. Uh, Carlos, I, the stuff that you guys are doing, just absolutely fascinating. I'd love to follow up with you again uh, in the coming weeks and months uh, as this moves on. But for now, I, I just want to thank you for joining us on the show today. Well, thank you so much for having me. A uh, pleasure talking to you. And yeah, I look forward to all those all opportunities in the future. Excellent. Well, that's Carlos Figueiredo. He is Director of Community Trust and Safety at Kelowna-based tech company Two Hat. And that is it for the show today. I want to thank you all for listening and watching us. You can go to BIV.com for more business news. And we'll be back tomorrow. Tomorrow.